Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hi, everyone, and welcome to the Mom Hour. I am Megan Francis, and I'm here with one of our monthly Voices episodes where we talk to cool people authors, podcasters, and just people we think that you'd like to hear from. My guest today is Nancy Davis Coe. Nancy is a podcaster. Her podcast is Midlife Mixtape. We go way back together as old school bloggers, and she's got a brand new book out called The Thank You Project, um, where Nancy actually wrote 50 thank you letters to people and in some cases, places and things that have been important in her life. Um, The book is all about what she learned from that, the science of gratitude and why it's so important and what it can really do for us to do this sort of um, intentional practice of being grateful, thinking about people that we're grateful for, and then actually sitting down and telling them in in some cases. Um, it's a great conversation. And we really dig into like what the process of writing the letters was like, who she wrote them to, how they were received, and now this book that she's got coming out. So I'm going to take a quick break and then we'll jump in with our interview with Nancy Davis Co. We are welcoming back Save the Children as a sponsor today. And I'm so Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready-to-eat meals from our sponsor, Factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. 
Listeners head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Okay, Megan. Well, over here at the Mom Hour, we are big fans of our sponsor, Our Place. In fact, you, me, and our team member, Katie, were all comparing notes on our favorite product. Katie was telling us that even though she's packing up to move her family to a new house, she cannot put that mini perfect pot from Our Place into the boxes yet because she's using it like every night. Well, as someone who also has a perfect pot, I got mine as part of their mini home cook duo set. I get it. It's nonstick, which is key, but it also has all these handy features like a steam release lid with a built-in strainer and this nice beechwood spoon that nests on the handle in this perfect little peg. Okay, well, I didn't get this pot, but now I want it. That sounds so great. Our Place's cookware is great to cook with, beautiful to look at, and healthier for us as well. All of Our Place's products are made without PFAS, also known as Forever Chemicals. In addition to their cookware and tableware, Our Place is also making waves with their Wonder Oven, the most stylish all-in-one air fryer and toaster oven. Again, free from the forever chemicals found in many of those air fryers. Listeners, Our Place offers a 100-day trial with free shipping and returns, and we've got a great deal for you. Go to fromourplace.com and enter the code MOMHOUR at checkout to receive 10% off site-wide. That's from our O-U-R place.com code MOMHOUR. Hi, Nancy. Thanks so much for being on the show. Thank you so much for having me, Megan. It's so nice to hear your voice. It's lovely to hear yours. I think the last time we talked to each other in person was maybe at the Mom 2.0 Summit last year, possibly. I feel like we were sitting around a round table We over were. Coffee we were sitting at a round table. in the chat. <laughs> yes. And talking about podcasting. And I was trying to drain you of everything you know about pro- podcasting because you've been such an inspiration to me and really a very early support when I launched my podcast. So I'm well, grateful to you and Sarah for that. You guys have always been so helpful. Oh, we appreciate that. And we love your show. And we talk about it a lot because it's just really great interviews, very high quality stuff. Um, and hopefully in the half hour breakfast we were sitting together, you were able to drain me of all I know. <laughs> <laughs> just like a vampire. <laughs> oh, but let's talk about your book that's coming out because I'm so excited about this book. So the book is called The Thank You Project. Correct. That's that's right. Cultivating happiness, one letter of gratitude at a time. Have you ever noticed that the subtitle for books is always like way longer than you think it should be? <laughs> I mean, I will tell you, first of all, that was not the the I like the name of the book. It was not the name that I pitched, oh, okay. um, but I spent so much time on the tagline because it does have to do a lot of heavy lifting. It does. Yes. You know, the shorter the title, the I, I think the tagline needs to. Needs to do a lot, but you're right. I see books sometimes where the tagline kind of goes over onto the back cover and you think <laughs> that could have been that could have been shorter. Well, for me as an author and now for as someone who occasionally um, interviews authors, it's usually the part I forget. And then I have to, you know, promote you or uh, prompt you to say it for me because I just won't remember. It's a tag team, Megan. <laughs> exactly. We're a tag team. We're working together on this. <laughs> OK, so the premise of the book is that you wrote letters, literally like you know, physical letters with your hand, or maybe you typed them. I don't know. We can get into that to, was it 50 people? 50 entities. It 50 ended up being, entities. yes, I went beyond people at, at some point, you know, the project just kind of kept expanding. So I okay. stopped limiting myself to people, but yeah, 50 letters in the 50 course letters. of 
what turned out to be about a year and a half. I thought it would take me a year and then life intervened. So. Well, that does tend to happen, right? Mm-hmm. Okay, so you wrote these letters and how, what inspired th- this book? Well, it was the end of 2015 when I thought about doing this project for the first time. And the following year in 2016, I was going to be celebrating a big milestone birthday. And I just felt like it was an appropriate time to stop and take stock a little bit Mm -hmm. and think about who I was at that point. I felt very fortunate. You know, my parents were around. I'm close with my siblings. My husband and I had been married at that point for 24 years and our kids were healthy. And I think when you get to, you know, the, the podcast is my, my podcast is midlife mixtape for the years between being hip and breaking one. Mm. (laughs) And I think when you are in that phase of being, being between uh, hip and breaking one, you've seen either you, I, but you have either yourself weathered a lot of crises or you've seen other people do it. And so when times are good, I think I I just felt it would be tempting fate not to acknowledge how fortunate I was. So I thought this is what I'll do for this birthday. I'll write one letter every week to somebody who has helped or shaped or inspired me up to this point in my life, because I recognize that I am not here on my own uh, by my own doing, you know, I've had help all along the way and that's all I'm going to do. I'll just write these weekly thank you notes because everything's going great. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know and why so, this just feels like a dun dun dun. Everyone <laughs> just everyone at home just rolled their eyes. Yeah, right. you thought it was. Uh, yeah. So it and yes, indeed, the plot twist you saw coming yes. came, and it turned out to be a a pretty hard year, probably the hardest year of my life. And uh, uh, you know, I I lost my dad very oh, suddenly, goodness. and only a few weeks after that, my oldest daughter left for college, which was great, except. Oh, I was already on the back foot when, you know, and here I was, I literally came home from the funeral and went to buy dorm sheets and started packing up for this kid to move cross country. Right. And, and it was the 2016 presidential election. So yeah. I was not alone. A little stressful. Tiny, tiny bit, <laughs> tiny bit negative, yeah. divisive, a little bit more fearful than usual. Uh, and so what I came to realize as each week went by, and I had this routine where I would write these letters on a Friday afternoon, honestly, with a beer. That that oh. was my Friday 5 p.m. happy hour. I just, you know, it was kind of a nice way to go into the weekend. And I kept realizing that when I wrote a letter, I felt better physically and mentally. I felt more connected. I felt less stressed. It was a reminder that I was always helped. Every time I've come up against hard things or sad things or difficult challenges, somebody's been there with an assist. And so just sitting down every week to tell one specific person about the very specific ways that they have changed my life or made my life better was this really beautiful kind of reset button. And, um, and so I finished the 50 letters because of, especially because of what happened with my dad, I had to take a break. I couldn't, I spent about three months not, I wrote a lot of thank you letters, but it was for casseroles and (laughs) donations to his memorial fund. But once I picked the letters up again, you know, it took me about a year and a half. And, uh, I realized that I had sort of created this toolkit for myself because I saved copies of every letter I wrote. So I had them all bound together in this book. And I realized that even a year after that birthday, two years after that birthday, because now it's it's been four years, I would still pick up that book and, and flip through it and mm. remind myself if I was having a low moment, I would just flip open a page and say, oh my gosh, my friend Heather is so good about making, making activism fun. She, she This is a friend of mine who 
gets everybody together for phone banking and she gets us, you know, she makes food and she just makes it really fun and upbeat. And she has made it possible for me to continue to be civically engaged without getting worn out because she just makes it full of joy. So that's this very specific thing for one specific friend. And just you write a bunch of those letters and you start seeing all these pockets of grace that surround you and all these gifts that people give you that are so beautiful and unique. And I think it just uh, became a really powerful way to remind myself that A, I'm connected to a lot of people. I'm not alone. Regardless of how you feel in the modern world, when you you know are feeling isolated or cut off from other people, you're not. And it also is, it also made me think every week, okay, uh, I'm going to have to look for something. I have to write, fill a page about mm. gratitude thoughts. So let me, uh, you know, let me look and see who I can find in my life who's really positive. And it just gets you in the habit of doing that. Yeah. I I love that because it also feels like, I know that for myself, whenever I stop and think about, um, you mentioned your friend Heather, and whenever I stop and think about a, a friend or a family member, it's like their positive traits. I find myself inspired to adopt <laughs> more of that, whatever that Absolutely. is in my yep. own life yep. as well. Um, and, you know, even though you might not do it on the site, like maybe you're not going to host um, some phone banking or something like that, but like you might be able to take a bit of that, that inspiration into your life in a different way. And I love that. Right. Um, so tell me about the actual, like, just set the scene here. So you're having a beer. First of all, is it the same beer every time? <laughs> well, here's what. So <laughs> I lived in Munich. One of my letters okay. was to the city of Munich. That was my first job out of college. So I am a complete beer snob. Okay. And, uh, I don't, I can't drink wine. I get a headache just looking at a bottle, but I can have one beer that is pretty much my limit now too. Uh, and I'm a con. I like to, I like to sample things. You know, we've got great breweries around here in the Bay area. I like to drink a lot of local brews. So All right. That's, okay. That's so maybe it's a different rotating beer snob beer going on. The, yeah. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And are you, do you, did you go out and sit in a, in a public place and write? Did you have a place in your home that you did it? Now I have, so I have a home office. I work from home as a freelance writer and I also have a day job in the digital content industry. So I have a home office that I really love. It's a, um, you know, it's very, it's far away from the rest of the house. So it's nice and quiet in Mm -hmm. here. And I, I do my best writing here. I know that. Um, so the writing took place here. The thinking took place everywhere because Part of what I loved about this is uh, I I would know, say, a week in advance. I'd think, okay, I'm going to write my nephew Tristan a letter um, in the coming week. So I'm just going to think about Tristan this week. And he is, you know, this is my brother's youngest son. And he was the last, basically, he was the last little baby I got to practice on before I had my own children. And he's six foot seven now. He's not so little anymore. (laughs) Not so little. Um, He's a really amazing humor writer. And I would think about some of the funny stuff that he has sent me over the years. He's always sent me stuff to read of his. And anyway, you can be thinking about those things while you're cooking dinner or you're going grocery shopping or you're sitting at the, you know, in line at the DMV. And what's happening from a science perspective is you're already teaching your brain to look for grateful things. So this is what I loved about writing the book versus writing the letters. Cause when I was writing the letters, that's simply what I was doing. I was writing letters. But when I decided to write a book about this, I really wanted to ground it in the facts of mm. why gratitude worked on me. I really wanted to understand why it was making me happier and more positive. And so I got to dive into the neuroscience and 
as humans, we have this tendency called negative recall bias. And that is simply, you know, that you look out on the landscape and you look for things that are dangerous and you react appropriately. And so, of course, this was very helpful for our cavewoman ancestors when they saw the mastodon coming or whatever. Hmm. But in modern life, we don't, we just don't need that so much. And we tend to have that, you know, a lot of us are kind of wired to look for, for the negative first. And so writing the gratitude letters is a really good way to build positive recall bias, which counteracts that negativity. It it gets you in the habit of looking for things to be thankful for and things that are good in your life. And so just knowing every week that I was going to sit down and have to fill a whole page with thoughts about whatever person I decided I was going to write to meant that I spent a week thinking positive things. And then the next week, so let's say this week it was about my nephew Tristan. Well, if the next week it was his brother, Zach, I was already kind of in the mode because Mm. I was in the habit of looking for the positive things. So that's how the letters kept building on each other and it kept getting easier and easier to see not just the obvious people in my life to whom I should thank, you know, my friends and family obviously were the first ones on the list. But as the weeks went by, I also started kind of getting excited about thinking, well, if I'm talking about people who have helped or shaped or inspired me, there are a lot of categories that I can expand to. Mm. And some of the things are not people like the city of Munich was obviously I'm a beer snob. So that traces straight back to, to that. So I ended up writing letters to places I've lived, you know, hobbies of mine. And yeah, it just, it, it kind of built upon itself. I love this. So do you think that there is magic in the writing of the letter? I'm assuming you were writing by hand, um, you know, with your Don't make that assumption, okay. Megan, because <laughs> my handwriting is god awful. Okay. Kids, so were you my sometimes- My call it chicken scrabble. No, mine is um, awful too. So when I sit down and try to write a letter, I have to be very, very deliberate and it takes a while. Yeah. Yes. And then I get crampy and I wouldn't be yeah. able to say what I wanted to right. say. So okay. I, yeah, no, I typed. So I had one word document and I would type a page, uh, you know, at each week. And then I would print it off. And I usually did handwrite something at the bottom to okay. sign it. And hopefully they knew it was from me because right. maybe my signature is so crusty. <laughs> so they couldn't like, even uh, tell that. This is a lovely letter, but okay. <laughs> from someone. From someone. <laughs> so do you think that there was some magic in the writing of a letter that is different from calling someone on the phone or sending a text, or do you think it was the thinking it through beforehand that was really kind of that secret sauce that put you in that, in that place? I think the thinking it through beforehand is the special sauce for the writer. I think putting it in writing is the special sauce for the recipient. Mm, And the reason is we live in 2019 where all of us are texting and sending emojis and everything and Snapchat stories and everything disappears. Everything is ephemeral. But if you write down your thoughts on a physical piece of paper, type it or write it down. But it, the, the point is it's, it's a hard copy. It's something mm. that will go in the mail or get handed over when you see this person. Um, that's durable. That's a letter that, uh, that you can hold on to. And I know some of the people who, sent, who I sent letters to have told me that they keep it in the nightstand or they yeah. have it in a special box or something so that they can reread it because they were really touched by what I wrote. And I would, this, okay, this is going to sound a little weird, but I, I felt like I had to tell somebody this story. I have to say <laughs> the other day I was looking through some old papers for something and I came across a letter that my dad hand wrote me in because, you know, we didn't have computers when I was, when I was a senior in college and it was right. the, so I was a senior in college and I obviously had just gotten off the phone with him and told him I, w- I didn't think I was going to find a job when I graduated. 
And he wrote me this letter that was just so full of faith in my abilities. And he just sort of said, I'm not even worried. This is what I see in you. This is what, you know, this is what is going to happen for you. And I know it's going to be fine. And I'm sitting there holding this old letter, old letter, because that was now 30 years ago in my hands. (laughs) I literally put it on my face just to have my dad's. Oh, I love that. Like that connection to Mm. my dad who's been gone now almost, you know, three and three and a half years. I mean, to have that letter come out, you know, reach across three decades to Mm. touch me still tells you what the power is of, of a, of a written letter. So I think, I think the thinking part is really great for the recipient. And I say over or to, for the writer. And I say over and over in the book, if you never write a letter, you're still doing yourself a favor by thinking about all these kinds of people in your life, thinking about the positive things and and that the science is 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 sound there but if you want to talk about doing something nice for somebody else give them all of that in a way that they can refer back to yeah yeah wow okay so and I, just I, told, I can't believe I just told the story of me like smushing my I know I my love face, it but like, I was having a moment the mental <laughs> image of that is very touching yeah. and I think other you know parents will get it and 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 daughters and you know we all have parents right and so that makes a lot of sense or have had parents um and that I guess brings me to just wondering like how you know you said this project was going to take you a year it took you a year and a half some of that was because things got really rough but I could see where even even if things had gone along steadily, it might have been tough to set aside the time to sit down once a week. Did you I know you said you kind of create a little ritual uh, ritual around it. Did you give yourself any other incentives? Like, how did you kind of keep this moving along? Um, I think it kept itself moving along because I really got a boost every mm. time I wrote a letter. There was this sort of shiver of delight every time I finished a letter and thought there, and even if it was a letter I wasn't going to mail because there, that's a whole another topic. Yeah. You know, I wrote some that I didn't mail, but if it was something that I was going to actually give to the person, I was so excited for them to read it because I knew that they would be happy to get it. So that was a lot of incentive there. And, you know, but I want listeners to know that, and I say this throughout the book, you do it on the pace that works for you. And Mm -hmm. science actually suggests that you can do these a month apart and still have the same positive benefit. That's how durable it it is to express gratitude to someone. They can still measure a positive impact that, you know, 30 days later. So you don't have to rush through them. And if you get sidetracked, if you find that going at a slower pace works better for your schedule, it's totally fine. I always say say in the book over and over, I am not the boss of you. I'm barely the boss of my own children and not really. Um, So you're not going to be looking over their shoulder to see if they did it. Right, right. But then I also tried to include some examples of other people who had done similar similar projects um, and just done it in different ways. So So the reader gets lots of ideas, but there was... One woman who wrote a hundred letters in a hundred days, which mm. was impressive, not something I could have pulled off, but she, for her, that was absolutely right. And she was really happy she did it that way. There's somebody else who had a 50th birthday party and wrote 50 letters that were the, uh, that were on the plates for her 50 guests. Oh. So everybody sat down, opened a letter and probably burst into tears. I don't know. It wasn't right. a party, <laughs> <laughs> but there's lots of ways to do it. And I think, uh, I think. I think the response you get, and and I told myself from the from the get go, I'm I don't get to expect any particular type of response, right. right? Nobody asked me to write them a thank you letter, so I don't get to be disappointed if somebody doesn't 
acknowledge it. Mm-hmm. You know, that's I'm putting it on them. They don't need to. They don't owe me anything. And yet I, it, the acknowledgments came with virtually every letter that I sent. And they were amazing. I Some people wrote me letters back. Some people just gave me a giant hug and told oh. me that I'd made their day. And so when you get enough of those under your belt, you're thinking, oh, good, I get to write a letter this week. Yeah, I love that. And and you're so right about the bedside, you know, the bedside table or the nightstand drawer with a letter. It's so rare to get one now that I right. feel like when I do get a handwritten letter, I, I do hang on to them. I keep them around because it's yep. just different in every way. We are welcoming back Vionic as a sponsor today. And Sarah, I will be honest, I was sorting through my warmer weather wardrobe the other day and it could seriously use a refresh, but you know what's good to go? My shoes. I've got a great selection to choose from thanks to the Vionic Vitals collection. And lately the pair I keep putting on again and again is the Uptown Loafer. I have two pairs, one in sand suede and the other in camel leather, but please don't make me pick a favorite. Oh, I won't. I'll let you keep both. That's so funny, Megan, because I was a little jealous of your Uptown loafers. I was the last one on our team to get a pair, but I just did. I also got mine in the sand suede, and I think I've worn them like four times this week. They really finish off a cute spring outfit. The Vionic Vitals collection has the best essential styles for everyday wear to get you ready for spring. And no matter what shoes you choose, you'll be on the go in comfort because every single pair of Vionic shoes delivers their trademark Viomotion technology for a difference you can feel. Vionic sandals, sneakers, and flats all offer incredible support, stability, and cushioning, and every pair comes with a 30-day risk-free trial, so it's easy to try them out. Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Vionic Shoes. Wearable well-being for your feet. Sarah, our sponsor, Haya Health, makes a kid's daily multivitamin that parents can feel great about giving their kids because they have no added sugars or dyes. And our kids who have tried Haya vitamins have loved them, which is important, right? Because what good is a bottle of vitamins that your kid won't take? Haya was founded by two dads who didn't like the ingredients label on some of the popular children's vitamins they were seeing on store shelves, so they got to work developing a formula that would help fill the most common nutrient gaps in modern kids' diets. Haya's chewable kids' vitamin is made with a blend of 12 organic fruits and vegetables and then supercharged with 15 essential vitamins and minerals. They're also vegan, dairy-free, allergy-free, gelatin-free, and nut-free. Haya manufactures their vitamins right here in the USA with globally sourced ingredients, and then they ship their chewable vitamins directly to your door on a pediatrician-recommended schedule. We've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults. Okay, Nancy. So we've kind of talked about the inspiration behind this, this project that then became the book, um, the benefits to you, the kind of like why you decided to do this and then why it kind of continued um, to be something you wanted to do, not something that you just like a project you decided you were going to do and then slogged through. So I'm really curious about you. Had, you'd mentioned that some of the people that you wrote letters to weren't really people at all, first of all, that they were entities Um, so let's kind of talk about the gamut. You've got 50 letters that you sent. What is the gamut of the types of people and entities that you wrote to? Well, I started with family and friends and that probably took me up to, I don't know, 
18, 19, letter, I don't know, maybe in the 20s. Um, but then I realized at some point that if I wrote the letters, I didn't have to mail them. Mm. And that was an eye opener because then I was, <laughs> by that time, I was really getting good at thinking about uh, people who have helped me and shaped me and inspired me. I was getting better and better at figuring out who those people were. And some of them were not people that I'm in touch with by choice. So, right. <laughs> you know, when you think about the lousy boss you had who kind of drove you into the arms of another career or an ex who, you know, you're not in touch with, but hey, he taught you to drive a stick shift. Right. Um, but you, you don't know, really necessarily want him to read the letter from you. Exactly. <laughs> invite that and person back into your life. Yeah, I get exactly. that. So, but there's real benefit to writing those letters anyway, because again, you're reminding yourself that at this, t- you know, that in the past when you've needed help, there have been people to give you that help. And I think that's really invaluable. But something in particular with the letters that I wrote and didn't send to to former friends and ex and ex, you know, boyfriends was that it gave me it, it allowed me to look back at the situation with a little bit of I guess I'd call it tenderness, you know, mm. because you look at maybe you look at an ex-boyfriend or girlfriend and you think, oh, my God, I was so stupid. Why did I? start dating them. Well, put yourself back in, in, in the, in the shoes you were wearing then what you knew then. And if there were positive things that came out of it, even if all the, even if the only positive thing was I'll never date a a person like that again, right. They were terrible. Well, that's a decent lesson to take with you. You know, if you have higher standards as a result of time you spent with somebody, that's something to be grateful for. Mm -hmm. So I felt like it's a really, it's a, it's a way to go back and reframe what you might have been holding on in your head to as mistakes or errors in judgment and sort of realizing that they brought something into your life that you need and you need it and you, and you're benefiting, benefiting from it now. Yeah. So yeah, that was, you know, there was, there's a story I included the book where I had this friend in college who was really dynamic and had, you know, really popular and I liked her a lot, but I could never figure out something felt off and I just could never figure out what it was. And we finally, the the thing became very clear at some point. And she and I had this big public blowout and that friendship just died. And I, and the thing that I took away with it is I don't have enough time to spend with people who like me. Why would I spend any time (laughs) with people who don't like me? And that was it. She just didn't like me that much. And I've, really use that I was 22 or 23 when I figured that out. And I'm 30 years older than that now. And I still think about it when I'm in certain situations, I'm like, well, I know which category of the two you belong in right. and how I'm going to prioritize my time with you accordingly. Yeah. Wow. And and I think sometimes when you're in the thick of it, like when you were 22, you get so wrapped up in your own hurt, you know, or like right. your hurt feelings around things like that, um, that it's so useful to look back um, sometimes, right. yeah, decades back, like I could think back to high school relationships. I'm still the same person, <laughs> you know? Right, right, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I love that. So you didn't send every letter you wrote, but you kept every letter you wrote. Have That's you had right. any that you hung on to for a while? You weren't sure if you wanted to send or not and then ultimately sent? Well, here's something awkward. When you, <laughs> I, I wrote a book about writing. Right, you exactly. And certainly some of these people, if they choose to buy the book, which maybe they won't, but if they do, it's going to be pretty obvious who I'm talking about. Right. So in in deference to not, you know, not sneaking up on somebody and pulling something shady, I actually did reach out to a few people uh, over the past, you know, I guess mid earlier this year 
and said, Hey, I'm writing this book and this is what it's going to be about. And it's fine. There was, there was one, there's one friend who, you know, I just said, look, this letter exists. You're never going to read it. And it, that's that it's fine. But, um, I don't know. I think I used good judgment in deciding not to send the letters I didn't send. Yeah. Yeah. So which, which, and, and, and I should say, if at any point, you know, talking about making it flexible in terms of your fitting your schedule, also it should be flexible in terms of what your comfort level is. Right. So uh, again, I felt comfortable sending out letters to friends and family and doctors and a few mm. other people. If you get to a letter that you feel will either make you or the other person uncomfortable, you are, you do not have to send it. You've already garnered all the benefits of an active gratitude practice just in writing it. So I really want to people know they're off the hook for actually mailing the letters if that's not something that feels comfortable for them. Yeah, I love that. Um, I imagine some of these letters were relatively easy to write and some were probably a lot harder. Um, Do you have any, was that surprising to you? Which ones were hardest to write? Or was there anything else about the writing process that surprised you? That's a good question. I think there were a few relationships where I had to dig a little bit to figure out what the positive thing was. You know, Mm. it's uh, my grandparents on my dad's side uh, were not warm, fuzzy grandparents. You know, they they were very nice, but they were not the kind of people to sweep you up into a hug and tell your parents, go away for three days. You know, they were like, are you? No, don't leave them here. (laughs) No, thank you. No, thank you. We've had our hour with them. You can go. And I and I felt badly that I just felt like this letter was a kind of a chance to look at them. Cause as a kid, I resented that. Obviously I knew, you know, my siblings and I knew what was up with our grandparents and, um, my dad was a very warm, a very warm guy. So whatever, whatever, you know, they, they could have passed on to him. They did not. They raised a son who was really a wonderful father. So, you know, that alone is something to be thankful for. And then I just realized as an adult writing these letters, so time had passed. My grandparents had both passed on my dad's side. And looking back at it, I could be a lot more understanding of why they would have been that way. Mm. You know, they they had chosen to move to this retirement community and they were very busy and they had a lot of activities. And then we would roll up and sticky and loud and (laughs) demanding. And, you know, I can't tell you that I'm not going to be my grandmother when the time goes, you know. So that was nice to be able to. It took a little work, but Mm. I thought it through enough that I could find, I could really feel grateful to the way they'd raised my dad, the guy they, you know, that, that they turned out. And then the other, the other thing that I remembered as I was writing this letter to my grandmother in particular was that she loved Germany. So when I moved there as a 22 year old, she was thrilled for me. She had been there on vacation and she wrote to me all the time. And this was before the internet. And when long distance phone calls were so expensive that I couldn't afford them. And I would get letters from her and it just meant so much to go to the mailbox and see a letter from somebody who knew you. When I was, I had moved to a country where I didn't know anybody and I was pretty alone there for a while. And, um, that was a really kind thing she did for me. Mm. So I think there are, I think it would be normal. I think it would be maybe abnormal to not have a letter like that, where you have to struggle a little bit with figuring out how to frame it in a positive way. I mean, 
relationships are complex. Yeah. But the whole point of this exercise is to dig around until you can figure out what good thing you took from it. It did it has were there moments and what that story kind of made me think were um, was how sometimes we have expectations. And then when that expectation isn't met, we feel like we've been, um, you know, wronged <laughs> in some way. Oh. And some and so much of that is about us coming in with a certain expectation. Like maybe your other grandparents were very warm and fuzzy um, or whatever. Or that's what you like. That's the way you like to know that you are loved or whatever. Um, and so you almost didn't even see the positive thing till you were forced to look for it. Right. Well, you know, I think my rap name could be Judgy McJudgerson. I mean, <laughs> I'm very, I don't know if it has to do with my astrological sign or what, but uh, I feel like I always have very high expectations of people. And I spent a lot of time feeling, feeling uh, disappointed, which is just, I can't remember if I'm allowed to swear on this show. Or not, not so much. Sorry. Not so much. <laughs> the word I'm thinking starts with this. It's not a great way to go through your life. Yes. So uh, writing the letters and in particular, I, I noticed this with writing to my girlfriends. I would fill a page with, some, you know, thoughts about how this person, you always show up for me when, you know, my family needs help and you drop off food for me or whatever, you know, the specific thing is. And then I'd write a letter to another mutual friend, somebody in kind of in the same circle. And I would say, you have given me such great career advice and you're always game to go dancing in the city. When I want to go dancing and nobody else will go, you always will go with me. And then the third letter. And I, it started, I started realizing, oh, everybody brings me a different set of, of gifts or of, of, you know, support. And none of them bring me everything, but I've figured out, like, now I know this is my person I go to for family stuff. This is my person I go for career stuff. And I shouldn't be disappointed that the family person doesn't help me with my career. That's not what she's great at. That's not her thing. So it was very clarifying. And I felt like it was kind of a slap to me too. Mm. Like, you know, stop being greedy. Like (laughs) you get so much from so many people stop being disappointed that they can't be who you, who they aren't. Yeah. And, and that no one person can be everything to you. And that's right. something we talk about on the mom hour a lot is when you're kind of shaping your, your group of people, whatever that's going to look like, like you can, there can be people who, who fit a very narrow need, like set of needs for you. And that's great. Like that, that right. not everybody has to be the bestie that you can leave your kids with at a moment's notice or that you spend a bunch of time with. Like, we all have different roles and that's totally okay. Um, right. I think sometimes it's hard for women. Like, I feel like we feel like we have to nurture relationships to like the nth degree. Mm. Every single relationship has to be like, we have to max them out and right. be really good at all of them. And that's right. okay. I don't mind if I have a friend who knows I'm available to go grab a happy hour on Tuesday because everyone else is doing something else. Right. <laughs> like, right. If that's all I could do. That's fine. You know, I'll find a way to fit in there and it, it still works and it still counts. Um, so how you mentioned that the letters were received really positively. You really didn't feel like any went unnoticed. Um, you mentioned getting big hugs. Did you get any letters back? I did. I, I, well, I was going to say one letter went unnoticed and it was hilarious because I had tucked the letter into the front of a book to give to my friend Dawn and she had asked me to borrow the book. So I put the letter in the front and then I saw her she's a physical therapist. So I was going to her weekly. I think at the, I can't remember which aging ailment I was having her fix at the time, but, um, (laughs) I was seeing her a lot and she never said anything. And I thought, well, 
she is a little reserved, but, but I this just, is I'm like surprised. <laughs> but I can't say anything back to her because she right. she just didn't. And then about six months later, she called me. She goes, "Oh my God! I finally just opened the book you get you gave me. There's a letter in it. How long has that been sitting there?" She was mortified. Oh, that's so, so funny. That it's like when up. you have a gift shipped to someone and they never acknowledge it, right. and then you're like, "So do I say something? Do, do I, I not just say ask something? if it got now I've made it awkward? Right. You know exactly." <laughs> I love but, that. Uh, so that one was pretty funny. But uh, yeah, so I did get a letter back. My I got a few letters back. And one of my favorite ones was from my obstetrician because I had written her a thank you letter. You know, if, if on the mom hour, we know that the doctors who help or the midwives yeah. or whomever help our children into the world have a pretty important job to do. Yeah. And if they do it well your life is easier. Yes. If they don't do it well, you you may encounter really, you know, difficult problems. So I'm very curious to know which category this over. Right. Fell no, into. Uh, everything went <laughs> fine. Everything went okay. fine. But there were she's very skilled. She's a she's a really, really good doctor. And there were just a couple things that I was relieved to have her be the person staring up, right. up, up at me through my knees. Um, so I wrote her a thank you letter and she wrote me back and she's really high profile. She is, you know, on the boards of all this. She's very busy. And the fact that she took the time to wrote me, to write me back, told me that she doesn't get a lot of these letters. Yes. And yet so many families are beholden to her for her skill and her expertise. So I loved writing those kinds of letters to people like doctors and teachers and bosses, because those are people who, you know, maybe are paid to help you yeah. in some way or another, but the help that they give you is so beyond a paycheck and it's so beyond, you know, Hey, thanks for that. And, you know, out the door again. So I really liked having the chance to put down in writing what, what their skills, what their uh, expertise had brought into my life. I love this. And, you know, I think what that kind of shows is. um Often when you are in that situation where you're paying someone for their help, it's often because you're in a stressful situation or a situation where Mm -hmm. you're about to get really busy. I mean, say a lawyer. Well, maybe you're in the middle of a really difficult divorce, right? Right. Um, Right. Or you just had a baby. And it just kind of makes me think like there's no time limit on this. So if you kept thinking to yourself, gosh, it would have really been nice to send my midwife or doctor or doula a letter, um, but I got so busy and I had a baby in my arms all the time and couldn't do it. Uh, that doesn't mean you can't do it. Like you could do it 10, 15 years later or whenever, whenever you are, I don't know, feel moved to do so. Right. I wrote my AP English teacher a letter 30 years after I graduated high school, <laughs> you know, and she was thrilled. She was, she was really grateful for the letter. And just, just to mention, you know, when you're talking about the stress and burnout, there's a study that I included in the book about the fact that you know, some, I think it's 42% of doctors say that they feel burnout and that 15% of them have some form of depression, but that getting a thank you letter from any expression of gratitude from the patients can mitigate that. And yeah. and it was especially effective in settings that are very high stress, like uh, ER nurses. Mm-hmm. So writing a thank you letter to that nurse who helped you when you broke your arm or took your sick child in you know, you're really doing a service when you tell that person, thank you, because you may be addressing some really significant, you know, anxiety and burnout and, and depression. Wow. Um, I love that. And 
So you you wrapped up your project before you started writing the book. So it's been a few years, right? Yes, like, that's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Now, is this something you've carried forward? This sort of practice of gratitude have have you changed? Is there something different about the way you interact with the world and people from your past and and present um, than you did before? I do think I changed. I. I let the practice go fallow for a while after mm-hmm. I had done it. I thought, well, I got to letter 50, so I'm done with that. <laughs> I'm and, done. I'm good. Know, yeah, I'm done. I'm not grateful anymore. No, I just thought, well, that was what I set out to do and I did it. And then I had a couple of people ask me how I did it. And after I explained it to them, I thought, well, it felt more self-explanatory than that. But uh, I guess maybe people would like to know this. And, and so I started writing the book about a year and a half ago. And as I, and it was really important to me to get the science in there. I really Mm. wanted to understand that. So as I was researching, I thought, why did I stop? (laughs) What a dumb thing to do. Well, it's kind of like when you like are working out or going to yoga all the time and it feels so good. And then you stop for a while and you're like, why did I, why did I do that? that? It was so good for me. Mm -hmm. So I did start again. When I started writing the book, I started writing the letters again and I don't do it as regularly. I don't always do it with a beer either, but um, I definitely am now much, I'm, I'm writing the letters, you know, if it comes to me, then I write the letter. And sometimes I can feel that I need to write a letter. And it's not because there's somebody who I'm feeling extra grateful to. It's because I'm stressed. Right. And okay. I'm feeling anxious. And I think this is, I know how to fix this. Mm-hmm. Who is, so who's somebody? So uh, I am writing, I actually have on my to-do list today. I'm writing my hairdresser oh, wow. a letter okay. because she's so good to me. And I, my hair looks great all the time. Well, if I follow what she's told me to do. So, um, you know, she's somebody who makes me feel good about myself and that's pretty fantastic. So, and I'm guessing she doesn't get a lot of letters. I don't think she ever gets letters. Um, so yeah, so that I do think, and I'm also better at shifting perspective when something, when somebody does something negative, I don't, think I tend to dwell on it as much as I might have because it's I've gotten pretty good at saying well what's the positive thing that comes out of that you know yeah yeah so the book um this this episode is going live on the sixth and the book uh dropped on the third that's right okay so while the audio version the audio version is coming out January 7th too great well that'll be good for people who'd rather consume with their ears Mm -hmm. (laughs) which is probably we're we're all for those people we love those (laughs) we love those people um so you when while we're talking we're like a week out I guess from that a week ish out from you actually your actual book week from today coming into the world so what's it been like how's your how's the experience been or have you written anyone letters about how grateful you are It's been, uh, it's been great. It is a lot of work. Mm -hmm. Uh, I love my publisher. I'm really grateful to running press. They've done a wonderful job. The book design is so beyond anything I could have ever hoped for. And I think I can say that because I have nothing to do with it. I I literally said, I like the color blue and they ran with it. I love that. So I'm really, I'm really uh, so gratified to see what the final product looks like because it's just a pretty little book. Um, But it's, uh, it's just a reality of modern publishing that authors carry a lot of the, do a lot of the heavy lifting when it comes to marketing promotion. And I, uh, I have a day job. I'm, I work in digital content licensing. So, uh, it turns out it was good timing that my youngest daughter went off to UCLA in September because I have an empty nest and now I have a book baby. Mm. So any time that I might've spent moping around the house and feeling like 
it's cavernous and what will we do without <laughs> right. the children here? Yes. I'm downstairs like banging out another essay yeah. and trying to make a Canva image and trying to remember if I pitched this, you know, this outlet. So it's, it's been fun. It's, uh, as my, uh, my older daughter counseled me, she said, mom, this is not a time to 80% it. So from the mouths of babes, I'm now getting counseling from my children. And, uh, and yeah, the other thing she said is at least it's something you're excited about. And it's true. I, I've been waking up every morning at five 30, just thinking, okay, what are the 17 things I'm going to do today? Oh, and, I love that. Yeah. That- I imagine I'm going to crash around like January 5th or so. I expect to be found face first on my bed, but that's okay. Yeah, that's fine. <laughs> because fine. that'll be like kind of like, you know, after you get the baby out, then you're just like, that's can right. I rest now? So and at least someone bring me a casserole. <laughs> exactly. And exactly. an ice pack. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, Nancy, this has been such a great conversation. So where can we, where's the easiest way to find um, your podcast, Midlife Mixtape and the book? I know you've got your own site. Where do you direct people? Yeah, best place to go is my website, davisco.com, which is D-A-V-I-S-K-H-O.com. And from there, you can see everything about the book and you can link to the Midlife Mixtape blog, the Midlife Mixtape podcast. And yeah, everything. Uh, I've got some I've got some speaking engagements and readings coming up, especially in the Bay Area. So there's a calendar there. And hopefully Perfect. I'll get to meet some of you in person. I'm looking forward to that part of it. And we will link um, all that up in the show notes as well so that everyone can find it. And everyone go check out the book. It is the Thank You Project. And Nancy, I just set you up for the tagline. Cultivating happiness, one letter of gratitude at a time. Booyah. I love it. <laughs> all right. Well, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thanks, Megan. Okay. Thanks everyone for listening to this episode of the mom hour. Again, if you want to find out more about Nancy Davis co um, or any of the links that we talked about today, just go to the show notes at themomhour.com and you can look her up there. You can also go to Nancy's site, Nancy It's Nancy Davis and then K H O.com. Definitely check her out and we'll be back soon with another episode. Talk to you soon. The mom hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. The Mom Hour is brought to you by The Essential Calendar. Sarah, this is our favorite calendar for busy moms because its beautiful and simple design shows around three months at a time. Yeah, and with summer fast approaching, now is a great time to get the Essential Calendar and see what I've been raving about all these years. Get 10% off your order at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour. That's 10% off at theessentialcalendar.com slash themomhour.